Hello and welcome to the Manchester's Red Podcast. My name is Stephen Realston. I'm your host today and I'm joined by my colleagues Samuel Luckhurst and Tyrone Marshall. Samuel, how are you today? Not bad. Now that I've uh, managed to sort my technical uh, technical problems there, I think Dan Murphy was was a lot more uh, a lot more organised last week than, than I was this week. So he deserves the kudos for that. Bit of a slow start, but we've overcame it. And Tyrone, how are you? Uh, yeah, good, Stephen. Good. Looking forward to driving to Norwich tomorrow. It's always a, a bit of a long journey across there, isn't it? But it doesn't involve any trains, so I'm sure you'll That's be happy true. to know that after your recent athletes. We'll just start with the breaking news then, obviously, coming out today before we recorded that Anthony Martial's agent um, has came out and said that the player wants to leave the club. Um, Samuel, we'll just get straight into it. What was your reaction to that news? Were you surprised and what do you make of it? No, not surprising that Lom- Philippe Lombelet, uh, Marshall's agent, has formed for being a bit of a loudmouth when his client isn't doing particularly well or, or he wants to leave. He was uh, quite quotable when Marshall wanted to leave in 2018. And given the way it's gone for Marshall, for well, it's, it's been upwards of a year that he's been out of form, it's not a surprise whatsoever that his, his agent is, is looking to get him a move. I think January is really, it's it's almost, it's, it's fantasy land really. I don't know what club out there is going to spend that amount of money on, on Marshall's fee or the, or, and, and pay him the wages that he wants as well. I don't think even Newcastle would, would, would be able to um to quite you know maybe they could finance the deal but I'm not sure Marshall would necessarily want to go there but the fact that we're even talking about Marshall and Newcastle is uh is an indication of how how low his stock is at the moment but even before this season started I think Marshall's United career was in jeopardy just by virtue of the the forwards they signed in the summer and and his form over as I said, it has been upwards of a year, pretty much since the start of, of last season. He had a very good 2019-20, but last season he only scored seven goals. Two of those goals came in the 9-0 thrashing of Southampton in the second half. And where his agent is concerned, when United triggered the one-year extension in Marshall's previous deal in December 2018, within hours of that news uh, getting out there, the, the club informing us. Lombelet was very, very quick to be quoted on, I think it might have been RMC in France, uh, saying that he was pessimistic about a new deal altogether. Jose Mourinho gets sacked the following day and then something like 43 or 44 days later, there there's Marshall in the press room signing a five and a half year contract. That's That that was the player power culture um, in, in full power mode, really. At Manchester United... I hope for United's case, they're a lot wiser to it this time because there's no incentive whatsoever to try and keep Marshall. He's not going to get a new contract because there's still quite a long time to run on the existing deal. He doesn't deserve a new contract either. I think the way this season was shaping up, if you were looking ahead, this was going back to the summer, if you were looking ahead to next summer, you'd think that's the time to try and cash in on him because he'd have two years left on his contract. And United are fortunate now that whether he's going to be manager or whether he's going to be as, as a consultant, Ralph Rangnick is very switched on when it comes to recruitment and they need someone to coach them in the art of actually selling players because apart from the odd anomaly here or there in the last, it goes back even to Ferguson's time really, uh, they are not very good at selling players whatsoever. The, the Daniel James deal was so incongruous in the summer because Leeds United were daft enough to pay up to £30 million for him. But United need that kind of deal to happen on an annual basis. And 
it, it, certainly in Woodward's time, I'm thinking of maybe Morgan Schneidlin, Daily Blind. They got really good fees for them. And I mean, Everton had their pants pulled down with Schneidlin. I think it was up to £24 million. United only made a loss of a million uh, on, on his transfer fee. But Daily Blind, I think, was was rising to £18 million. Pounds. And, and he's been a very good player for Ajax. And, and that was a reasonable fee, given that he was in the last year of his contract. But other than the Daniel James one, which is I think was so standout at the time in that he actually went for the same transfer fee as David Beckham when he was sold to Real Madrid in 2003, United are just not proactive sellers. And given a lot of the player situations at the club at the moment, they need to be proactive sellers next year, starting in January, but not necessarily with Marshall because he doesn't seem that sellable. And that's without even mentioning the fact that he's out injured with, with a knee problem. Samuel's hit the nail on the head, tie. He's not that sellable. He's, he's been in poor form. His record of injuries is poor. Um, we were just talking before uh, about the kind of clubs um, that would be maybe suitable for Marshall. Realistically, is it a loan in, in January, would you say? Or what kind of clubs could you see coming into in for him? And where's it went wrong? Uh, 17 goals in 1920, as I said, multiple injuries. Is it his commitment? Is it his desire? What do you think? I mean, first of all, in terms of where it goes, I think a loan is the only possibility in January. It's whether United think it's worth it to, to have some of his wages paid. I mean, Newcastle is probably a possibility. I guess they're a possibility for everyone on on a loan. They'd probably consider paying quite a lot of his wages as well because they could afford it. They need players in the door in January. Whether Martial thinks that is beneath him, who knows? But that's that's about the only option. After that. I mean, it, it, it's really hard to know what to do with these players who signed new contracts sort of three years ago, two and a half to three years ago, who haven't earned that money since. And now you want to sell or they want to leave because he ain't going to get that contract anywhere else in a post-COVID environment in Europe. He might in the Premier League, but I can't. I mean, he's not performed consistently enough in the Premier League for a big six club to take him. Again, you're looking at Newcastle as the only possibility, really. If he was to go to Italy somewhere, say... I just don't think anyone's going to pay him close to what United are paying him. So we'd have to accept the pay cut. It's it's really hard to to sell players at the moment and for players to get the contracts they want. But I think he does have to go. Have to go. I think, like say, Samuel is right and he just hasn't. That that 2019-20 season was the one moment you thought maybe, you know, this is going to be the player United thought they'd signed. But generally he's been too inconsistent. That year he, he was given the number nine shirt. He responded positively to it. He scored goals. That spell post-lockdown when you had Rashford on the left, Greenwood on the right, Martial through the middle, you know, for maybe a four-week spell, it, it did look like a front three that, that could even challenge for titles. They were scoring goals, playing well, but Martial's form just fell off a cliff. Um, and as someone put it a piece earlier, that he doesn't respond well to competition. And since he was first-choice striker, he's now third-choice behind Ronaldo and Cavani. He's nowhere, you know, he's probably third-choice on the left behind Rashford and Pogba, Sancho would probably play on the left ahead of him. So there isn't a role for him in this club really anymore, I don't think, especially not in the money he's on. And it is it is time. It's time for both him and the club to, to cut their ties. But I don't think there's an, there's an easy route out. Um, but I think it's definitely no. time to, to move on. I think being linked with Newcastle is a world away from being linked with uh, Real Madrid. So it's clearly done something wrong over <laughs> the last few seasons. And now, anyways, given another decade, perhaps. Um, Samuel, we'll talk about uh, Anthony Alanga because I could kind of see him being a bit of a big winner if um, Martial is to leave the club, obviously opening up some room in that pecking order. You did a line on Alanga a day um, with Sweden. 
what do you think is the future for Lange in the next few weeks coming up under uh, under Ralph Ranjik? Well, Ilanga, uh, sorry, Ilanga was one of these players who did not benefit from Solskjaer being given that permanent contract in the summer in that he scored a couple of goals in pre-season and it was clear the decision had to be you go into the first team squad and you play a fair bit or you go out on loan and neither happened. It was just classic indecision from Solskjaer. I think, I mean, I couldn't even remember it. It was only when I consulted his um, appearance list this season that he actually came on in the Carabao Cup game against West Ham. But, of course, with him not being included in this Sweden uh, touring squad in January, which I I was told they they do on an annual basis, I thought it was maybe something they were doing just to gear up for the, the, the qualifier against... Czech Republic in March, even though a lot of players are absent. It's it's mainly players from the Scandinavian leagues because that's the way their league works out. The Swedish league has just finished, so they've got three months off. And those players, uh, Janet Andersson, the, the Sweden coach, wants you know wants them together for a period while, while he's got the opportunity to do that. And they've not got any competitive football to be playing, uh, to be played. Now, as you said, with Langer, um, I think looking into even before this Marshall news came out today, Marshall's injury seems to be another, from what Ragnick said about it in the week, it seems to be a recurrence of the knee injury he had towards the end of last season, which wouldn't be a surprise given the way how Solskjaer handled injured players and his track record for rushing players back and running them into the ground. So I don't know how long he's going to be out for. Ragnick hasn't quite clarified that yet but it doesn't sound like he'll be featuring at all um, this weekend at Norwich and who knows whether he will again this month so with the injury with the lack of form with the desire to want to leave next month that bodes well for Elanga and then of course you've got Jesse Lingard who is a player United have just got to look to cash in on uh, in January there can't be any more indecision there they had enough of that in the summer that Solskjaer just couldn't decide whether to sell him, whether to keep him. There was too much sentiment attached to Lingard. The good thing, as I've said before with Ranić, is that he is objective. He has no attachment to United from the past. He will just judge each player individually. And in Jesse Lingard's case, he should have been sold in the summer where his resale value was quite high. They should have tried to do a deal. But unfortunately for United fans, um, Lingard was just given, a, given false hope, really, that he would get... Uh, regular playing time or enough playing time to keep him satisfied this season. It's just not happened. And I think anybody looking at that situation objectively knew that it wasn't going to happen. And I wonder if Lingard thought, well, uh, you know, West Ham want me, but I can do better than West Ham. But of course, the way it's panned out and the way West Ham are playing, you just saw from his Instagram post two or three weeks ago that it's pretty clear that he'd quite like to be back at West Ham. So if that can be arranged in January, that that's something that United have to explore. If not West Ham, they've got to find another buyer because they have to generate funds post-COVID um, for, for for incomings as well. You saw, uh, you know, with with deadline day with Daniel James going. I think if Cristiano Ronaldo wasn't coming to United, I suspect Daniel James would would still be at the club. But there was room uh, that there was no room for him after Ronaldo came in. Although having said that, he, he played against Wolves two days before deadline day. It's it's just this muddled thinking that just persisted under Solskjaer's watch. Whereas with Rangnick, um, as people will read from the, the embargo uh, stories from 10.30 tonight, 
just the cut of his jib is is in complete contrast to Solskjaer and certain issues that Solskjaer really did fail to address. Rangnick has addressed uh, when we spoke to him earlier today, but as I said, those stories will come out later this evening. I still think it's pretty remote that both Lingard and, and Marshall will leave in the same month. And as Rangnick has already said with the goalkeepers, if, if Dean Henderson was to be allowed to go on loan to Ajax, it sounds like he would want a dependable, experienced goalkeeper to come in on a short-term basis to offset that. I don't think, by the sound of what he said, he would just want Tom Heaton, Lee Grant and Mate Kovar behind Doug De Gea. It's, it seems as though he would want someone um, who's, who's a specialist backup goalkeeper. So th- there are so many things that could change between um, now and the start of January and then you've got the whole of January to see how it pans out as well. I don't think Henderson is going to be um, happy or content with just playing against Aston Villa in the FA Cup third round. And with Langer, it, it probably would make sense to keep him if there is a chance of, of Lingard and Marshall both going. But I still think that's a tall order for a club like United to get rid of those two players, even though they have got Rangnick there now at the moment. He's got enough on his plate managing the team, um, never mind overseeing every single you know coffin spit of, of a transfer saga that may unfold. Obviously, Alanga started on Wednesday night tie against Young Boys. Um, what did you think about the team selection? Um, obviously, Van der Beek coming in, uh, Wan Bissaka, who Obviously, he's been injured and out of the squad, sorry, and lost his place to Zalo as such. Do you think the players on the pitch did enough to make an impression uh, to get back into to, to, to get back into the team? Pardon me, um, against Norwich on Saturday. No, not really. I think you know, we said before, and I think Greenwood was probably the only one with a chance of of starting. There was some interest in the goalkeeping situation. I guess it does feel like Henderson is a more proactive goalkeeper. I think Randy might have even used that word about him in the in the post-match press conference. Yeah, but yeah, he did. Um, De Gea has been in such good form this season that you don't get the impression Randy is going to come in and, and rock the boat and change it around. So I think you know the the, the die is already cast for Henderson really in that regard. The other one was Van der Beek. I thought he was okay in the first half, but obviously his you know his contribution for their goal was was poor. Um, I wouldn't say it was a hundred percent his fault. I mean, Aaron. Wambasaka is probably not expecting the pass, but he's asleep again. It, you know, unless the ball's at his feet or a running wingers run at him, he's asleep in games. He really is. Um, I, I don't think, you know, obviously he's potentially injured now, but I don't think he's anywhere near getting his place back from Dallow. I, I thought he was poor again. I just don't see it with him at the moment. And so yeah, I think Greenwood is the only the only one really who's who's pushing for it. Um, I know, you know, I know a lot of people like Van der Veek. His name was sung again on on several times on Wednesday. Just not sure. I know he played as a holding midfielder, but that role of the deepest midfielder is probably his only position because Fred is, you know, Fred is a, an energetic presser who Randick is going to like. He's going to play in the deepest two, but he's going to push forward to try and win the ball back. So you may be looking at Van der Beek sitting even slightly behind him, and I'm, just, I'm not sure that's his role. So I don't think there's a natural position for him in the team at the moment unless he dislodges Fernandez. So yeah, I think Greenwood was the only one that could make an impact. I think he did. Obviously, his goal was was brilliant. I thought arguably the more, um, certainly for Ranić, the more uh, insightful moment might have been when he, he won the ball back on the left for United just towards the end of the first half to create a chance for Mata. He possibly yeah. squared it and given Ahmad the tap-in. But he you know, he, he did what Ranić wanted to do. He pressed the defender onto the touchline, gave him nowhere to go, won the ball and came out with it and then darted into the area. 
and just watching it, you could almost imagine Ranić just nodding at it and being like, that's that's what I want to see. He's won the ball there and created what was a clear chance and should have been a goal from it. So I think there's a lot of upside to him. I don't think he'll start tomorrow. I think the fact that the entire team that played the last two games got a rest and will have had another full training session this week will probably just give him the edge. But of those 11 that played on Wednesday, I think the most likely one to come in soon is probably Greenwood. And maybe Shaw. I don't think there's much in the battle between Shaw and Teller. I thought Shaw had a pretty decent game. Obviously, he's had the concussion recently. He only got an hour. But I don't think there's a huge amount in that um, competition at the moment. So I think they're probably the two that might stand a chance of getting in that team at the moment. On our staff night out, Samuel, last week, um, among the Indian food and <laughs> among the lager, um, I think I seem to remember Ty's giving some hand gestures. Yeah, the list has one bit here. Um, I seem to remember we're talking about Greenwood and perhaps where his long-term future lies at the club. And I saw Ranyuk's comments after the game and he said he was an, a nine and a half. Um, so I wanted to ask you that question and get your opinion on that. Do you think his long-term future lies at centre forward? When it when he came on against uh, Crystal Palace, was it for, was it for Sancho that he came on for? I think it was, wasn't yeah. it? So he did. After we'd kind of derided Dennis Irwin for saying, "Oh, Mason Greenwood's a number 10, This was on the Friday night. He came on in a position that Rangnick regards as as one of the tens, and and Greenwood has hardly ever played there for United. This this was a different version of a number ten uh, with with Fernandez in that four two 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 formation. But he did very well for the goal in that he drew opponents. I think he has a calmness about him that Rashford and Sancho both lack. Rashford and Sancho are quite different players, but in terms of when it comes to decision-making at times, they can be a bit impulsive. There's something measured about Greenwood uh, in that he can, before he receives a ball, he knows what he's going to do with it. He, he knows where the, uh, where the opponents are, where a teammate is. And he did really well for, for Fred's goal. And as Ty said, he was... He was by far and away the best player against young boys on Wednesday night. It's it's a strange, not strange, sorry. It's 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 a different dynamic, where not just in this formation, but he's been playing with Ronaldo this season. But playing with Ronaldo in a two is is going to must be very 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 different. Whatever your profile uh, as as a goal scorer, whether you're Greenwood, uh, who's, who's only 20, got immense potential still, but also had a lot of experience. Or whether you're Robert Lewandowski, who's just probably the best striker in the world and been the best number nine in world football over the last 10 years, uh, I, w- I would say. So it's how they... I'd, I'd probably rather have him further up top because I think he can drop off. Um, I think a number 10 role, as or one of those two 10 roles which Fernandes and Sancho occupied last week, I think that has to be for more more of the attacking midfielders because that's they're, they're playing in a much deeper role and with Fernandez and his pressing that is invaluable Sancho has worked very very well recently in terms of his off the ball work uh, as he's, he's done well on the ball as well of course but I think there's a discipline about him that Michael Carrick was trying to draw attention to that had maybe gone under the radar a bit but then again Sancho only really started to get going after Solskjaer was sacked and Greenwood does most of his damage in that penalty area um, he, he, you know, he's, he, it's just as I said, it's that calmness that he has on the ball, and you want him closer to goal in those situations. But that said, he does have an underrated vision. I think when you think of the cross for Cavani at Tottenham last season, or the pass through for the first goal at Atalanta last month, 
he, he could very easily operate in that role. I just think he's such a special footballer. And in terms of academy, you know, academy excellence at United, he's probably the best player I've seen at that level since Ravel Morrison, um, which was what class of 2011 was when they won the Youth Cup. But in terms of all-round qualities and potential, I think he's the nearest to Morrison in terms of that, you know, who, a player who has the potential to be a complete forward for various reasons. It didn't happen with Morrison. Fortunately, Greenwood is a different case altogether. But it is to, it has got to the point now where he almost should be starting every major game. Uh, there have been reasons why he hasn't been starting recently. He had COVID after the... Um, after the November international, so that has, has delayed his uh, re-entry into the into the first eleven. But I just think he's a better footballer than Marcus Rashford. I think he's better than Anthony Martial. Not that Martial's relevant, and given that he's only twenty, uh, United have got so many years ahead uh, to make the most out of him. And it was interesting, I suppose, that Rangnick actually focused on his physicality in midweek because under Solskjaer there was a lot of talk about how Greenwood had beefed up and how he had filled out and looked you know, really first team ready now as, as far as his physique was concerned but Radnick clearly thinks there's still more work to be done there and he's still got time on his side given that he only turned 20 in October To wrap up the week that was then Ty um, obviously it was a Champions League game United were already through, it was a bit of a dead rubber game realistically how far can they get in the Champions League, um, perhaps PSG Benfica, Sport and Lisbon are a few of the teams that can get and what would be considered a success uh, in the Champions League this season um, I think <laughs> I mean this is going to be clipped, it make me sound stupid but I think they can win it really um, but optimism, you know, think, fantastic well it, you only need a bit of a luck of the draw, really. I think if we're listing teams, obviously you do occasionally get shock results in the Champions League and, and shock winners, so that's to be bear in mind. But I think if you were to list the favourites, the four English teams would all be in the first five, at least. Um, I think you're looking at the four English teams and maybe Bayern Munich as your most likely winners. Um, you know, I, I don't think PSG have got the consistency to win it. So I think, you know, obviously United are behind the other teams in England at the moment in likely winners. I think we, we've got to say that, but... They might not play any until the final. They might not play any at all if the draw goes for them. Um, so I certainly think they've got a, a chance to win it. There are obviously difficult ties that could await them in the last 16 as well. Um, but I think you know, I think they'd probably be favourites for all of them if they're they're still hitting form under Ranić. They've certainly got the players that are capable of of doing it. So you know, it, it, it's conceivable that they could get to the semi-finals and the final. I think. Um, I certainly wouldn't make them favourites. I wouldn't make them in the top three. I think the top three favourites are obvious and that they're City, Liverpool and Chelsea. But I think United are there, fourth or fifth, um, around around Bayern Munich. I think there's every chance they could have a run if they get a bit of a kind draw, get a you know, get a big win along along the way somewhere. So I think that's I mean Tuchel won it with Chelsea and I know that's been something that Rangnick's kind of been asked a couple of times. Can you kind of repeat that? And obviously it's it's very difficult to do what Tuchel did last year, but does show the impact an interim manager can have. And I think there is, you know, there is potential there for United to go deep in the Champions League and certainly deeper than, you know, I think they've been to the quarterfinal twice since since Fergie left under Moyes and, and Solskjaer. I think quarterfinals are, are probably the bare minimum. And I, I think there's reason to believe if, if they get a, a kind draw, they could get to the semis at least. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, Samuel, obviously coming up this weekend, it's Norwich on Saturday. Um, I was just looking at the fixture list and I wrote the team down, teams down. You've got Norwich, Brentford, Brighton, Newcastle and Burnley before the new year. 
is it as simple as getting the 15 points, do you reckon, um, for those games? And do you think there's a banana skin in there? It's certainly not simple with, with United. I mean, <laughs> if anyone watched yeah. them at Watford, they, they, they read, uh, nothing is, is simple, even though they've finally changed manager. But they should be aiming for 15 points. I don't think that's unreasonable at all. They've they've got the momentum. They've, well, sorry, not, not a great deal of momentum, but it's five unbeaten, longest unbeaten run all season. Uh, again, not a coincidence that was sparked by them finally shooting Bambi. So they're going in the right direction. And they've also got the benefit of this nine-day gap between the pre-Christmas game and the post-Christmas game. And I know there's a tight turnaround between Newcastle and Burnley, but that always happens this time of year. And Rangnick will have had ample time to prepare them. I think that nine-day period could be quite key for them in terms of not just the remaining fixtures this month, but going into January, going ahead, uh, the players understanding exactly what Rangnick wants from them between now and the end of the season, uh, you know, he's he's it's it's good it's good for him for, to have that full week where he can impart his you know, his methodology on on the players and you know get get to know them a lot more. He's already said that he's. I think that was the great thing for him about the young boys game in that he could literally play. He's literally played what twenty two, twenty three significant players, first team players anyway. Uh, Mengi, uh, Zidane, Iqbal and, and Charlie Savage. It, it was. You know, I don't think they're going to be with the first team for for much longer. Uh, that was that was just a case of we won some academy players with some game time, and and, and Mengi's going to go out on loan in January. You would have thought, but he's been able to cast his eye over the majority of the squad so far. So that puts him in a good position in terms of preparation for the rest of the month, and it will give him an idea as to whether he should allow certain players to go on in, in January who whose futures are, are very uncertain at the moment. Uh, but I, th- I think this this run of fixtures kind of runs into January. They've got a long time before they come up against a real big hitter again. And you know, I think Gary Neville said on Monday Night Football, he, he, he you know he wasn't going to say they should be in the top three or anything like that. I think the top three is, is unattainable now just because United have lost too many points and they've they've just not been at it for the first three months of the season. But come the new year, I think there's a very good chance they should that they, they would be in they will be in the top four. I think they should be aiming to be in the top four by the end of December. And then they've just got to try and get in a position where they can sustain that form where everyone behind them is is cut adrift. West Ham have had a terrific season so far. They've always doing an excellent job there. But they're still not at the point yet where people are genuinely taking them seriously, even though, as I said, he's doing an excellent job. And I think one of the marks of the job Moyes has done there is that they, they seem to have a settled eleven, which I don't think you can underestimate in, in the Premier League. That that has underpinned a hell of a lot of their success so far. But there's still a hell of a lot of football to be played. And you saw with United last season when they got to the top of, of the league in late January, and they were you know, celebrating certain wins quite quite uproariously at the end, almost as if they were involved in a title running. At the time, you're thinking, this is very, very misleading. And, and January was more like December last season because of the delayed start to the season. And go, come back to this season, they, they just need to, as, as, as you said, with the fixture list they've got, win as many games as possible. It's as, it's as simple as that, really. And I imagine during this period that comes up, I mean, Rangnick isn't going to play the same side for all of the games left this month, but there might be an element of trial and error and he will make decisions on certain players, whether 
you know, whether there's any sense to him retaining them beyond January. Last question, and Ty, I know we've kind of touched upon it, but team selection-wise, what are we expecting from Norwich? And what do you want to see from United tomorrow? I think it'll be the same 11. Um, I think the only possibility would be Greenwood, but I don't think that'll happen just yet. I think it'll be the same 11. And I guess we just want to see sort of further... It feels like the midweek game was almost a bit of a, a non-entity for... Um, for Sorry, I thought I was going to sneeze then. Um, <laughs> for, um, you know, he, he didn't learn a lot from it. They didn't play in the way he wants them to, but in a way it didn't matter because there was nothing on the on the, on the the line and it wasn't the team that he's going to play for the most important games. So you want to see them build on the Palace game, really. In After one 45-minute training session, they looked a lot more like a Ranjik team. It obviously had a big impact. They pressed well. And I think you just want to see more uh, uh, going up a level from that. There's... You, know, you can you can press Norwich and win the ball back. I think they're a team that you should be looking to press and, and play aggressively against. So it feels like a game where we should see a, a lot from from a Ranić team. It was interesting. We said on um, I mean, Samuel talking on Wednesday and said that he he talks tactics a lot in press conferences, but makes it interesting as well. And you know, he was talking today about how Norwich have changed under Dean Smith, which in a way shows how much football he watched, how much he's across as well, considering that that managerial change happened before he was even in line for a Premier League job and talking about them playing more vertically now and, and playing quicker. So he'll, he'll know what to expect. And I think it's, you know, it's a game where we should see a bit a bit more of a stamp on, on it, really. So I think I think it'll be the same team. And I think we just want to see that that kind of, that pressing and that vertical approach in action. It's been noticeable in both post-match press conferences so far. He has mentioned players not playing the ball forward at times. There was one incident on Wednesday when I can't remember who it was that had the ball. Might have been Ahmad, maybe. Can't remember, but... Instead of playing a ball forward, they, it was a difficult ball that was on to go forward. They turned back and you saw Ranić sort of slap his arms by the side and turn away. And he's mentioned it in both press conferences that he wants passes to be going forward and, and going forward quickly. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out alongside the pressing, I think. Yeah. Did, did you see the McTominay response to that on did, Sky yesterday did, when he was look happy at all, did he? No, no. No, no, not seen that. Yeah. Uh, but, um, ben Ransom said to him about you... you you know, played some misplaced passes, and he said it was one misplaced pass. He only said one. <laughs> it's a very well, and, and that, that that does yeah. that does tally with what I've been told about McTominay and, and him not liking criticism. But I don't yes. think he's the only one at United. There's a man counting his stats. <laughs> it's me. No, I'm joking. <laughs> right, uh, we'll just call it there then. Um, thanks for your time, Samuel. Thank you, Stephen. And thank you, Tyrone. Cheers, Stephen. Thank you. Safe travel to the game to both of you tomorrow down the car road. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Thanks to listeners as usual. Uh, take care. We'll be back Monday. Thank you.